Okay. Um, one of the things, let me say this really quickly. Just Brittany was ending with that adoration and talking about adoration. We adore you. And I don't know if you know, but in the Hebrew, um, when God created man and woman, this ties in with what I'm going to say, so I'm just going to say it because I'm going to flow with it. Um, when God created man and woman, he said, let us create man in our own image, in the image of God, let us create them. And the first thing that God did is it said, God blessed them. He said he blessed them, the scripture says in Genesis 1, 28, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. That word blessed means adore. It means adoration. So the first thing that God did in creation of mankind is God knelt down in adoration of his creation. And in our mutual adoration, in our adoring him, and in our beholding him, which is what we're going to talk about, in that mutual adoration and affection, there is an exchange that is taking place. That I am created in the image and likeness of God. Life happens. And we are now, as we are beholding him in a mirror, we are being transformed from one degree of glory to another. Right? And so I like that she started with that to kind of kick us off. So for new people... The good news is I kind of have the method of circular teaching. So I'll come back around, like we are gonna revisit, especially today, we're gonna to revisit some things we've already done, and then we'll go into a new area, and then we'll circle back around again and go into a new area. Does that make sense? It's like links, like the, the Olympic rings. You know the yeah. Olympic rings? Yeah. It's kind of like that, so that's good. The other thing you could do if you wanted is go back and listen to last springs. I mean, if you wanted to, you could listen to all year, that's a lot. But the good thing is we have different people teaching, which I'm really excited about because we're going to have even more pe different people teaching this year, sharing just from their own life experience. We're going to do more activations and exercises. We're going to do the Legos again. We're going to do prophetic art. We're going to just, it's going to be really, really cool because when we do those things, when you hear from other people and when we do those things and we're practically um, using a model or a manipulative, does that make, is that a right thing to say? Um, it further solidifies and helps us to embody the truth, assimilate the truth that we're learning. Yes. Right? So that is a good. Second Corinthians 3, I kind of quoted it. But why don't you just turn there really quickly because I want to start with this and sort of ground us. Because, you know, when I'm talking about brain science and when you hear me and those of you who have been around a long time, if you hear me talking about brain science terms, or even quantum physics terms, you have to know that everything is rooted in the heart of the Father. That God is the one who created, God spoke the world into existence, and when he spoke the world into existence with his word, let there be, there is energy that is released, and the world is continuing to expand. We know that, right? So when I use the word energy, you need to know that I am talking about that all, actually all of life at the fabric of our being is energy. Our thoughts are electrical impulses. So are y'all good with that? Yeah. Especially new people who don't know me as well and don't. So I love to marry um, brain science, quantum physics with the word because I feel like what it's doing for us is solidifying and give us a more concrete example of what transformation looks like. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, I think that one of the damaging things that has been done unintentionally Oh. oh, yeah, I'm recording. Can I put this in my pocket? I can't, right? 
I won't mess up. One of the things that's happened, I think, is we will run, we take spiritual ideas and spiritual concepts or Bible verses, and we just sort of quote them. Or we sort of say them, and there's no real understanding or depth of what does that mean and what does it look like on a personal level for me, Kelly. And I ran with a lot of them and adopted some views and opinions that were not rooted in the heart of the Father, but it was just religion. And religion is formed without power. And it's hurtful and dangerous. So when you live your life as a Christian, and I am living off of religion, and I have built then this persona and a facade of who I thought that I was and who you needed me to be, and by golly, I'm going to do it for you. You know, I'm going to be all that. I am going to make you love me. I am going to make sure you're happy and you're good. That's what I do. I'm a people person. So it's up to me. I feel personally responsible for your happiness. Right? That's not God's original intention for who I truly am and my true self. And so, I don't know, 12, 15 years ago, the Lord asked me, you've heard me say this. He said, Kelly, how free do you want to be? And I was like, I mean, radically free, crazy free, as free as you can get. And I had no idea that he was introducing me to a journey that is now 12 or 15 years long of watching me unbecome and unlearn all of those parts of me that I thought that I was needed to be put this out there for the world to see. I'm unlearning all of that in this beautiful process of grace and love and joy. I loved the word suge, of joy. Everything that we're doing and talking about, anything that I'm unlearning and unbecoming is rooted in the heart of the Father, which is full of love and joy and compassion. So it's, it's easy. It's not painful. It may, it may be painful, but it's a good kind of pain. You know? The second Corinthians, did I tell you this from there? Second Corinthians 3.18 says, but when one turns to the Lord, that's 16, um, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. How free do you want to be? And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. That word glory there, in this case, is doxa. And doxa means opinion, it means estimation, it means, um, what does it mean? Yeah, repute. It's an appearance commanding respect. So the opinions, I formed a lot of opinions and it, and it had an estimation of myself that was not built on the truth of who God says that I am. It wasn't built, because that word also means it's the self, the doxa glory, it's the self-manifestation of God. All of who he is, all that he does. So when I am beholding him, and at the end, I try, I try not to get ahead of myself, and I also know what I'm going to do next week, which makes me want to launch into next week, but I'm going to not be restrained and disciplined, because I can be, because that's my new thing. I'm a disciplined person who has self-control. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Um, what was I saying? <laughs> okay, so some of the opinions and thoughts of an estimation of myself was not based on God, but when I'm beholding him, when my meditation is on him, his self-manifestation, his thoughts about me, his opinion of me, all of those things I am discovering like I'm looking in a mirror and finding out who I am for the very first time. <coughs> so our true self 
is being transformed really into, we're not just trying to come up with, I think I want to be this person. Like, I, I'm going to be like her. I'm not doing that. I can't be you and you can't be me. I'm being transformed into who God says that I am. We each have unique giftings and callings and purposes in this prepared paths before the foundation of the world for you to walk in. So we get to do that. I get to be me and you get to be you. And I discover all of that in the heart of the Father. There's a couple of terms. I don't know if I should say them now because I don't know that I need to say them now, but what the heck. Um, some of what we've learned, you'll hear me talk about in here, there's a chemical you. Remember we talked about that last year? Um, there is a chemical you, meaning um, the way that I have thought predominantly, my thinking, my thoughts, I begin to think something and it sends a message in my nervous system and my nervous system then begins to correspond that thought with the same feeling. I think fearful, anxious thoughts, all of a sudden these chemical messages are going into my central nervous system and my nervous system says, oh yeah, we've got a corresponding emotion that feels the fear and feels the anxiety. So now my thinking and my feeling are congruent, right? So my state of being at that moment is, I am anxious, I am an anxious person, I am a fearful person, I am an undisciplined person, right? We make these I am statements of who we are. Um, the philosopher Descartes, is that how you say his name, Descartes? Descartes? Hello, help, no, anybody? Any philosophers in here? Descartes, that's what I was, I was like, that is not the right way. Ancient philosopher, he had the philosophy that I think, therefore I am. The fundamental flaw with that is you are not the total representation or existence of your mind and your thoughts. Because when I'm in this chemical state of being where I'm thinking the fear and the anxious and my body is corresponding and emotions are there, I begin to say things like, I am a fearful person. I am rejected. I am a victim. And I'm basing my identity upon my thoughts and my emotional being. Why did I stop saying this? Because I'm going to go back here later, okay? But there's a, you are not just a chemical you. That we, you are an, an eternal you. You were on God's mind before the foundation of the world that said he thought you. You were on his mind before he created the world. He chose you. You were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. So the good news is whenever we're talking about you, whenever we're talking about meditation, when we're talking about the true self, it is completely at one with God. You can never be separate. Separation is an illusion that we make with our minds. The truth is, you are always, so whenever I'm talking about these things, remember, we're talking about being, because you can't be anything else, at one with God, in union with him. When I begin to think thoughts with him according to his truth, according to his um, uh, nature, like Second Corinthians right here is saying, then I'm being changed from one degree of glory to another. His opinions become mirrored and interwoven with mine. Okay. Here we go. We're already going back. Everybody good? Yeah. Okay. So what I'm going to do this year, and if you read the email or if you saw um, Instagram or Facebook or whatever, I want to, I think it helps you to have this theme. And I came up with, and God started talking to me about this summer, of developing a cultivated life. 
and that's a deliberate term, and we're going to get there in a minute. But really, it is mind renewal for transformation. And if you will bear with me, because I know that you all know these things, but remember the circles? It helps when I see them. It helps when I take notes and I write it down again. And even I taught this stuff last year, and I started looking at it, I was like, I didn't remember that. So I want us to turn to Romans 12, because this is our one of our foundational scriptures this year. Um, I'm going to read it in the English Standard and in the Passion. If you don't have the Passion translation, I highly recommend it. I feel so excited to be up here. It's weird. I just love y'all. I mean, I love church too. It's just different because yeah. it's intimate. Y'all are women, and there's a certain yeah. synergy that happens in here. And I don't know. Derek is not a woman, but. <laughs> okay, Romans. I love that you're in here, too. You're a part of us. You are a part of us. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The Passion Translation says, Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. So transformation is what we are going after. And remember last year we talked a lot about, and raise your hand again, transformation is measurable. How could, when you look at the end of the year versus the beginning of the year, how many in here felt like a, a true, significant, measurable transformation that happened? And transformation, it's, it means it's a metamorphosis. Again, you might know this, but jot it down. Because when you write things down, it's in there better. Transformation is a metamorphosis during the life cycle of an animal. The physical definition is the induced or spontaneous change of one element into another by a nuclear process. I like that. Metamorphosis in the, it is, in the Greek is metamorphy, which is with form. And it literally means metamorphosis is a change of the form or nature of a thing or person into a completely different one by natural or supernatural means. Of course, we think about the butterfly in the cocoon, right? Of course, you know this too because you've heard it. What happens if I see this butterfly struggling to get out of that cocoon and I just think, I'm going to go give it a little help along the way. And I open up that cocoon to get it out. What happens? It has to have the challenge, right? It has to have the, the physical exertion. It needs to go through that process on its own. 
So many times I think we want to shortcut the process. Or I really want somebody just to lay hands on me and pray and just get it all over with. You know? Just like, let's just be there already. But the truth is that God has given me a free will to do his will by choice. And if we didn't have free will, and if it's all, there's no choice involved, then there really isn't freedom. It's bondage. Choice makes us free. How free do you want to be? All the way free. And change is not easy. We have to be intentional. So Romans 12, one of the things that I liked about it, and one of the things we're going to begin to focus on this year even more so, well, for sure more so than last year, and we're still going to be talking about the mind, but we're going to talk a lot about the body. And body in Greek in that verse, Romans 12, and it means the body as a whole. It's the instrument of life. The body is not the man, for he himself cannot exist apart from his body, but we do have and need a body here, right? The word is also used for the physical nature, as distinct from the spiritual nature, but what I like in this verse particularly, and it did jump out to me this time, in this it is saying that our body is an offering. So it says right there. It's an offering that by, it is full of life. It says it right there. It's holy. Your body is holy. Your body is sacred ground. When he purchased you with his blood and you have been redeemed, you have been bought with a price, and he now says you are holy, you are pure, you are blameless, you are faultless, you are innocent. There's a ton of scripture to back that up, and we don't have time to look at them. That is the truth. My mind, my thoughts, based upon old familial or familiar patterns, tells me otherwise. My past begins to speak. It's one of the voices that's speaking is my past, right? But that's the truth. So your body's holy and your body is well-pleasing to God. There's a lot of messages, and Deborah and I were just talking about it. There's a lot of messages, especially as young girls and you're developing, that your body is bad. And shame and feelings of unworthiness and, you know, then comparison and all of that. So we have to cover or we hide. And it just perpetuates that message of shame. We're not going to talk about that today, but we are going to. That will be one of the places we go. So our reasonable, it's when it says that the sacrifice, us offering up our bodies, um, spiritual worship, in, in another translation it says that's your reasonable worship. That involves the reasoning faculty. It involves your intelligence. It's using your spiritual intelligence as new creations. In contrast to this by compulsion or have to. It's beautiful that we, it's an offering because our free will allows us to offer it up to God. And that's what we're doing in here this year. Um, so with the renewing, it's not just, oh, it's a new improved version of you, but you actually get to develop a whole new way of thinking. It's a total transformation of how you think. And I like the term, the mind, mind is the Greek word nous. I mean, so that's how you say it, but it's N-O-U-S. And mind is the seat of reflective consciousness. And you're going to be hearing that term a lot. It's the faculty of perception and understanding. The mind includes your thoughts, your feelings, your attitudes, your memories, and your imagination. And consciousness, being a part of the mind, is that state of awareness. Consciousness is an awareness. It has the ability to experience or feel the sense of our selfhood. 
of the head. I'll do that in a minute. When it says the word that we, at the end of, and it almost finished with the definitions in case you're getting bogged down by definitions and don't like this part. Just, I'm about to move on, but it's important. When it says at the end that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. That word also, your translation might say proving. And we talked about this a lot last year. It's the word dokimatso. And dokimatso means to test or examine whether a thing is genuine or not. It means to prove with a view to approving. It's what was referred to in primarily in the testing of metals, where the goldsmith turns the fire up to test the gold and the dross and the impurities come to the top, right? That comes to the top. This is my problem. My whole life, I was just focused on the dross. And I thought God was too. When the fire and the testing and the proving, when that is turned up, he's, he's after the gold. So is the goldsmith. The goldsmith is always after the gold. He just skims the dross off. He doesn't even pay attention to the dross. But I get so focused on, well, I'm so stupid. I can't believe I said that again. I always do that. God is so displeased with me. I need to change this part about myself. And I am just continually being mired down and bogged down in my old man, my old self. That's not even who I am anymore. Romans 6 talks about that. We'll go there in a minute if we can. So I love that, but just remember what all of the change that's happening and the transformation and the renewal of our mind is that proving, he is proving with the view of approval, not disapproval. He approves of you. He's digging for more and more gold, and that is what we're going to be doing this year too. The other thing that we need to know is there is a mind-brain-body connection. I used to always equate and thought it was true that my mind and brain were the same thing. And, and people do use them interchangeably. Like they might say brain when they mean mind, and they might say mind when they mean brain, but it's very different. And the mind, it's that intangible part of our brain. You can't see it. In fact, even today, there's more studies being done, more experiments being done, and they're finding out that the mind might actually not be located even where they thought that it was. Because the mind, it is, again, I said it's your thoughts, it's your feelings, it's your attitudes, it's all of these things, it's electrical impulses, and your mind drives your brain. Your brain does not drive your mind. Your brain is the tangible part. We could cut our heads open and feel and hold our brains, right? Yeah. It's tangible, but the mind is not. We have a spirit, and our born-again spirit is made perfect. Our born-again spirit that is, whoever knows where that is also, but I always point right here. Our spirit knows more than your brain and your mind. Your spirit is known perfectly, and your spirit knows but the part that we're talking about is the part that I've lived with my whole life, and it's my thought life. What I think, based upon, when I use the word familial or familiar, I really believe that they're two sides of the same coin. I think, according to what's familiar to me, based upon my familial, my ancestry. I grew up with a certain normal in my family. 
This is what hills do. This is how hills think. This is who we are. This is the way we do the holidays. This is, you know, that was normal for me. So out of my familial, I then began to develop familiar patterns. This is what I do. This is how I do. This is what, and that's normal. And I tell him, I meet Joey, and we get married, and they are totally different. The way he thinks and does is so different than me. And so much of our early marriage is like, this is not how we do things. This is not what we do. No, he's pulling me, and I'm pulling him, you know. And it's like, no, this isn't normal. I mean, who puts marshmallows on their sweet potatoes at Thanksgiving? <laughs> A lot of y'all do. I know. <laughs> right? But truth be told, again, because I can change, and I am changing, I now make my sweet potatoes, half marshmallows, yeah. half yeah. Yeah. It's strange, it's growth. Compromise, I do. 32 years of marriage, and here we go. Don't let it take you that long. But right? So much of the way that we behave, I don't even stop to think that the way that I'm thinking might not be the way everyone's thinking. And I think this is so normal. And Ash, and so, and Joey thinks this is so normal. We all think that way, right? So I'm not talking about, we're not navel gazing. I'm not having to go digging for all the ways and what have I done and how do I think? I'm not talking about that. It's real simple. The dross rises to the top. So when we are focusing on things this year and we're going to do some of our exercises, we're paying attention to what's just coming up right now at this present moment in my life. And I get to deal with that because that's where God has his finger on. That's where the grace is. So there's a mind-body-brain connection. And hmm, I'm not going to read you any of this. It's really good stuff. I thought that I printed it out, but I didn't. The printer wasn't on, and I thought it was. It's in the other room. Um, but let me say this. Um, oh, my word. Let me show you this. Dr. Daniel Siegel, who's the professor of UCLA of psychiatry, he's written a lot of books, and um, he's the co-founder of the Mindful, I think it's called the Attention Center, also at UCLA, and he says, mind is all that relates to our subjective felt experience of being alive, from feelings to thoughts, from intellectual ideas to intersensory emotions, before and beneath words, to our felt connections to other people in our planet. It also refers to our consciousness, the experience we have of being aware of this felt sense of life, the experience of knowing within awareness. Mind is the essence of our fundamental nature, our deepest sense of being alive here, right now, in this moment. And consciousness, we can cultivate our mind's capacity for consciousness. You remember, consciousness means awareness. The first step for me to change is awareness. If I have no self-awareness, I'm probably not going to change. Do you know how, like, the way that I present myself or the way that you experience me might not be the way that I think you experience me? Right? That's why it's helpful in community. Like, how do I show up? How are you experiencing me in this situation? Feedback is good. Feedback is important. So awareness, self-awareness. Awareness is the primary thing because if I am not aware, I am not conscious. 
And if you remember, and I don't, we don't, we're not going to go there today. We don't think we are. I think we are going to go there today. Um, cultivating consciousness strengthens your mind. And what that is doing, it is integrating your brain. We talked a little bit last year about integration, where you're bringing parts into a whole. And the reason cultivating consciousness, cultivating awareness in this present moment, in the here and the now, strengthening your mind so that it is more flexible and adaptive. Remember that your brain is neuroplastic, which means it has the ability to change. It is not fixed. You're not the way this, you don't just have this amount of intelligence and that you're stuck with it the rest of your life, but your brain is actually always looking for connections and making new connections. Your mind and body have to work together to produce change. Let me talk about this for a second. Um, The mind and body have to work together to produce change. Okay, you think one way. Say, I am trying because I'm learning and I do not want to be a negative person and I'm tired of feeling anxiety or fear, so you begin to just think happy thoughts. And I'm thinking hope or I'm thinking joy. And I'm just saying it over and over. I'm thinking that way. And it might be happening in a particular anxious moment, okay? Say I'm encountering a very intense situation. I'm experiencing a lot of anxiety in my body. And who knows what anxiety feels like in your body? You know what fear and anxiety feels like. And you're carrying that in your body. So I'm feeling anxiety and I'm feeling fear, but I'm thinking joy and I'm thinking love. The problem is those two things are incongruent, so they will not produce the change that you're looking for. Let me explain that a little better. When you mentally rehearse fearful or negative situations in your mind, say an encounter with a friend who, for whatever reason, there was a misunderstanding and the friend was just, you know, yelled at you, whatever. Maybe it was your spouse, whoever. When you relate that over and over in your mind, you're reminding yourself of how that felt and that your brain does not know or understand that that is not still happening. So you've turned on the fight or flight receptors. You're sending cortisol and all of those hormones are jacked up because it's a good thing to have that so that we can run from a predator. But when we stay in that anxious state, our brain thinks it's still happening. And we were never meant to live in survival mode. That's what produces stress and that's what produces most disease. So when I say that your mind and your body have to work together, when I'm thinking one thought, hope and joy, that I am feeling fear and anxiety, they are incongruent messages that your nervous system recognizes and you will always fall back to how you have always felt. What is the most familiar? Do I need to say that better? Do you understand that? That is the thinking feeling loop. Remember, I think a thought, fear and anxiety, my body corresponds by going, hey, we'll send those chemicals, great, we'll help you. You're thinking fear and anxiety, here's some fear and anxiety feelings. Now my body's going, oh yeah, thanks. Feel the fear and anxiety, thinking fear and anxiety. It is a thinking feeling loop that is creating the state of being that you are in. When they are incongruent, when I'm trying to just think happy thoughts that my body is freaking out, the happy thought cannot pass my central nervous system to get down to tell my body to settle down and chill. 
feel like what we're learning, and I'm not saying that I have, but I feel like what we're learning in here are keys for God to teach us because he is the one that designed all of this. I wish I had the statistic written down. It's crazy that your DNA, I can't remember how, like that your DNA would fill 600,000 page books. I can't remember. It's just crazy that your DNA what we have that God has put in our bodies. And I believe that he is giving us some keys of how to learn for our bodies to heal itself. For truly people to be completely delivered of anxiety. And it is the number one mental illness right now. And I, over the summer, have really practiced and worked on, remember we kind of did have homework. Do people like practice this over the summer or at least try to stay in this vein? No shame if you didn't, but I really tried to begin to practice and put into practice in a more deliberate and intentional way of what we had been talking about. And I can tell you that I am living in a different space than I was then. So when that's happening, those incongruent messages and all of that, when I'm saying that they're incongruent and your nervous system recognizes it and you're just going to fall back to the way you've always done things, remember that's because the brain has formed habits. And, it, and that happens in your subconscious part of your brain. I don't even realize that I've just automatically gone down that same pathway again because it's a well-developed neural pathway. And it takes great effort and intention to choose to do another one. Turn to Philippians 4, 6. I'm going to read it in the Passion. If y'all ever want to stop me and just raise your hand and ask just a quick question, I may or may not answer it. I may not be able to answer it, but just know that you can. Philippians 4, 6 through 8. <clears throat> Don't be pulled in different directions or worried. Somebody, does anybody say anxious? No. Okay. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried or anxious about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answer known to you through Jesus Christ. So keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind, and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried or anxious. So that's what my body's telling me. That is my predominant state of being at the moment. But it's saying, but make your requests be known to God and fix your thoughts on him. So, so much of what I used to do was just go with the flow. Go with that flow of energy. You know, go with how I'm feeling instead of stopping and interrupting that. And, oh, Lord, help me. Hang on, I'm just trying to see if I want to switch places. As we begin consciously to direct our thinking, so I'm thinking, I'm fasting my thoughts on what God says. I'm taking my thoughts off of my body, how I feel right now. I am disconnecting the 
old neural pathway and the thought that I keep continually thinking and going down. And as I consciously direct my thinking, we wire out toxic patterns of thinking and we wire in new ones. And remember we talked about last year that every morning when you wake up, you have brand new, brand new baby nerve cells ready to make connections. They're like waiting to be put into action. And I wanna use those brand new baby nerve cells who are looking to connect, I wanna use them in a positive, healthy way. I don't wanna just keep going down the path of least resistance because it's the easiest path. And you have to remember that your thoughts are energetic impulses and where you direct your attention, energy flows. So what you think about will grow. Einstein said that no problem can be solved from the same level of consciousness that created it. Remember, consciousness is awareness. So when I continue to think in ways that I have always felt and thought, and I have the same emotions related to that thought, it's memorized in. It's the path of least resistance. It's become a habit. I don't even have to think about it anymore. I just do it automatically. In that state, it's impossible to solve a problem because I'm at a certain level of consciousness that created the problem in the first place. So in that state, it's impossible to solve a problem because it demands a different solution. It demands a different way to look at it. That's why we say awareness, perspective, the way that I see. That's why I loved the Lego exercise last year. And we'll do it again, but having this Lego sculpture that we built to represent a thought gave us the ability to stand outside of our thought, which God's given us the ability to do that. You have the ability to observe your thoughts. I can stand outside and think what I'm thinking on. That's how you begin to build a new one. But when we looked at that Lego structure, we could look at that thought from all different angles. And have you considered this? Have you considered this? And we also shared it with each other. And they were like, well, have you ever thought about thinking about that this way? That was really powerful, wasn't it? It's because it's a, a good model, a representation of what is happening in here and how we can change. There has to be a disruption. There has to be a deliberate, intentional shift. We have to be able to look at it from a different perspective and a new mindset. Recently, um, because one of this one area, and I don't want to get too far into it because I do want to do it next week, but one of the areas that I have been mindfully giving my attention to and trying to change is I um, can get overwhelmed really easily if I have a ton on my plate. If I have a whole lot on my plate, if I look at this phone and my calendar has dots on every single day, I'm like, oh my gosh, because... Even though I'm a people person and I love to do people and have to do people, I have to like very much be my own space, my own time, my own quiet. And when I start to feel like I'm filling my plate with a lot of stuff, I can literally just feel my anxiety rise. And so recently I was just sitting there on the couch and I was thinking about all of these just different things I have to do and things that are coming up and I was starting to feel the emotion. You know, I'm thinking these thoughts. I am meditating on these thoughts, which means they're over and over again, and um, my body is feeling it, and I just heard the Lord interrupt my thought process. And he said, I'm increasing your space for grace. He said, what if you looked at your calendar differently? 
What if you looked at your day differently? What if you looked at this whole area from a brand new perspective? I was like, well, that's a good idea. <laughs> I think I'll try that. Because here's the thing. We are born to be creators. God, the creative God, created us in his image, and we create, and when we think, we create. And so for me to get off the path of least resistance, which was a well-forged path, I just have been conditioned, I have conditioned myself over the years to say, I'm so overwhelmed, I'm so overwhelmed, I get so overwhelmed on my schedule, I have so much to do, I'm doing this and that and that. And when he says, I am giving you, and I'm going to do this next week, and I hate to hesitate to get in it, but when he said, I'm increasing your space for grace, I recognize that he is talking about capacity. Space represents capacity. And capacity could be empty space, like you think of a vessel, but he's saying he's going to fill it with grace, which is power to be able to do something now that I could not do five minutes ago because there was no grace there. I also recognize, darn it, I'm preaching next week's message. I also recognize, and this is my problem, I spend a lot of my time and attention rooted in the future. A lot of people do it rooted in the past, but when you are focusing on an undesirable or unwanted past and you're rooted there, there is no grace for that because that's gone. God gives you grace from the now moment. I spend a lot of my time looking at an unpredictable future. Or it could go this way or it could go that way. Who knows what's going to happen if that happens and this way and that way. There's no grace for out there either. The grace is for right now, in this present moment, in this here and now, where he wants my mindful attention to be. And he said, I will give you space. I mean, I will give you grace for that space. That is changing everything for me. As soon as I catch myself, and it's always been the case, I just wasn't aware of it. Awareness is key. Now that I've become aware of it, I see it everywhere. I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm running ahead, trying to solve a problem that's out there that can't even physically or feasibly be solved yet. So what am I gonna do today, right now, here in this moment? I'm just going to be still. I'm, I'm just going to rest. I mean, I can make some plans. I can jot down some notes. But I'm going to just stay present here, God, with you. Does that help you? Yeah. <laughs> We're going to talk about that more next week. But that is just an example, kind of what I've been talking about so far. But so developing a cultivated life and why I want to have this thing, I think it's going to be easier even for, like, the other teachers and the other people are going to come in and share to kind of, like, is that me? watch from that place because everyone is developing their own cultivated life. Um, the truth is we are all seedbeds. You are a seedbed of potentiality. You are a seedbed of thoughts and opinions and life, previous life experience and mindsets and cultures, all of that. And even Jesus said, remember Jesus said in Hebrews 10, it's part of a prayer that he said, oh God, a body you have prepared for me. Here I come to do your will. God has given you a body. We have our mind. We have our brain. And all of it is for the glory of him to do his will. And so I am now choosing to cultivate what that life looks like out of my free will. Jeremiah 4, I feel like this is a real 
um, prime scripture for us this year. You can turn to it if you want. I think I'm going to go down. Jeremiah 4, verse 3 and 4. Or maybe I didn't quote the whole thing here, but it says, Break up your fallow ground and sow not among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Remove the foreskin from your hearts. We have to cultivate the soil. The word meditate in Sanskrit means to cultivate self. Isn't that interesting? Meditate means to cultivate self. Aristotle said knowing yourself is the beginning of wisdom. So if we're going to break up the fallow ground and sow not among thorns, he's talking about I want you to cultivate the soil of your heart, the soil of your mind. When you cultivate soil, you know, I had, I've told you all before, I had a huge garden at my old house, and I had great aspirations of being an amazing gardener and feeding my family off the produce of the land. We were getting back to nature. <laughs> I had chickens. I fed my family eggs, fresh brown and blue eggs, and I was growing this garden. I was a little bit better at keeping the chickens than I was the garden. Because lo and behold, who knew there was so much work? I mean, you have to prep the soil. You have to put certain nutrients in there. You have got to till it. I had to get rid of old weeds and old rocks. And I had to know when to plant certain things and when not to. And what needs sun and what needs shade. And because this is so my personality, I'm going to shop for the seed and the little, you know, sprouts. And more is always better. I'm like, well, why plant three tomatoes when I can plant 20? And, you know, because they're this big. I didn't know they get this big. So my garden, I need to bring a picture at some point. At one point, it was a jungle. Joey has a picture of me. Good thing I've learned how to develop a good self-esteem and it's not rooted in always how I look. So my point being, I planted all this stuff and I'm in the middle of this jungle and literally nothing was been producing fruit because it was getting the life choked out of it. Because I didn't properly prepare the soil. I didn't pay attention to the right nutrients, the right environment that it needed to grow and produce an abundant harvest. So what I'm saying is the past, when we're cultivating our soil, the past seasons, thoughts, and attitudes, and emotions that I thought defined me was part of my seedbed. Those things, it was my familiar way of being. I began to root those things out. Again, as he pulls them up, when you're tilling soil and God is a beautiful and gracious way, when he says, you know, break up your fallow ground, you're not doing that by yourself. And you're not striving. He's doing it with you. So my soil, my heart is, I pray, remains tender and plowable and open. And as he is pulling those things up, he's like, here's an old thought of a rock. What do you think about that? Hmm, it hasn't served me very well, and it's actually not true. Well, let's get rid of that. There's old weeds that are just patterns or behaviors. You know, I love, one of the things I love right now is the Enneagram. If you hear me talk about it, I don't want you to think it's a weird thing, but I really enjoy, it's a personality test. Raise your hand if you know what the Enneagram is. Okay. The reason I like it, have you ever heard of the DISC profile? 
personality test, Enneagram is, is a personality profile. It's super old. Um, what I like about it, it's more nuanced, and I feel like it shows you other different sides of like how you, your personality, which has been developed over time based upon my old thoughts and emotions and attitudes and all of that stuff. So I'm a seven, which sevens are future-oriented, so part of that even makes sense, okay? But um, why am I saying this? Future cultivating, noticing. Oh, soils, things are coming to the top. Thought patterns, oh, that's what I would say. Some ways of being is I would be like, well, I'm a seven. That's what sevens do. We make excuses for how we are because we say, well, that's just how God made me. Well, there, yeah, there are certain things that God did make me this way, but it is not an excuse for bad behavior. It is not an excuse to be undisciplined, to be um, rude, or to be neglectful, or you know what I'm saying? So it is working within the confines of who I am and what my personality is, which is great and beautiful, and God loves the way that he made me, but I recognize that some of it is weeds and rocks and sticks that I get to remove from my garden by choice. And then I can allow that soil to be tended and the nutrients to be planted so that there's this new garden that my mind is not so cluttered. There's so, much, so many voices vying for our attention. There's so much noise in our minds, right? And some of that gets to, has to be removed so that garden can begin to bear fruit. Things that can be shaken are being shaken and removed. And what remains is the kingdom. God's realm, what God says, his thoughts. When I am continually trying to create a new future, when I am still rooted in the past, you can't do that. You have to be able to begin to clear away the old vestiges of the garden of your mind before you can cultivate a new self and plant new seeds. You cannot create a new future when you are root, continually rooted in the past. You have to clear away the old vestiges of that garden of your mind or the way of thinking before you can cultivate a new self by planning new thoughts, new behaviors, new emotions. Is that what I said? And this requires daily mindful attention. It's not just left to chance. Remember I said that we make, we make an energetic connection with what we give mindful attention to. Where you put your attention, energy flows. And you make a connection with it. So it's really important on what I'm giving my attention to. It's not focused on that past. It is not always focused on the future. It is today, if you hear his voice. So today, that's what I'm paying attention to. Another definition of meditate means to be familiar with. So to become familiar with. I don't need to just be familiar with the way I've always done things. I am becoming familiar with a new way of being. So, what are you cultivating in your life? And right now, what do you want to cultivate? What 
are you paying your attention to? And I use that word deliberately because it is an investment. What I am paying and giving my attention to is what I am making a connection with. So that is what's going to grow. And I want to invest in a really abundant, fruitful, beautiful harvest. So what are you paying attention to? Remember in Mark 4, verse 24, and Jesus has been given him the parable of the sower. And right after that, he says, pay attention to what you hear. Because with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. That's important. So what I'm paying attention to, Jesus is saying that then is so important that that measure, that standard, that capacity is what will be then given to you in filling that place. Well, let's turn to that. Mark 4. We're not going to read the parable of the sower. You know that one, I know, but... There weren't chapter breaks. Jesus is talking, and he's still teaching. So he's been teaching them the parable of the sower who sows the word. And we know that there are the different kinds of soil. But then he's still teaching when he says, For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except come to light. That's in verse 22. This is what we're doing. When I am cultivating the soil, I had no idea there were so many. We have the rock quarry in Terrell Hills under us. I had no idea huge rock, white rocks, boulders are underneath the dirt. They were not visible until I brought them up into the light. That's what we're doing here. Nothing is visible or secret until it comes to the light. If anyone has ears, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, he knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. The seed that you are scattering in your life will have a yield. And unless I am paying attention to the voices that I am listening to, unless I am paying attention to what God says, to what truth is, I'm around community that surrounds me and reminds me who I am when I forget and begin to act outside of myself, unless I am doing that, then that seed is getting scattered. I am focused on my old um, way of life that was, listen, I will be whatever you need me to be. I'm showing up. I'm going to make you happy. Are you good? And I'm singing and tap dancing my way through life to make sure that everyone around is good and God forbid there should be any conflict, confrontation, or pain. I will avoid that at all costs, which is another Enneagram 7 trait. So when I am living like that, first of all, it is exhausting. But it is like I am continuing scattering seed into my life. I go to bed at night, I think about that, and what I'm going to say to you the next day, and I wake up and a little sprouts come up and I'm still doing it. And then I don't pay attention to it because I'm like, I don't know, this is just how I am. I'm a seven. This is me. And I just, and pretty soon there is a harvest that I never intended to grow. 
So mind renewal and transformation this year, that is what we're doing. What is the measure of transformation that you want? So I'm going to end with, um, I'm ending, five more minutes. Write that down. That's your homework. What is the measure of transformation that you want? What am I cultivating? Um, I really believe, just as I was meditating and, and spending time with God about this year, I really believe that Holy Spirit wants to take us into whole new dimensions of revelation. Part of the measure that is added back to you is that the more is, is there is more. And I love revelation. Revelation means to lift the veil, which was once, which was previously hidden to me. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit has highlighted it to me, and it is revelation, and it like fills me. And you can't take it away from me because it's mine. That's inheritance, right? And I believe he wants to do that. I believe that he wants us to press the boundaries of what's been known so far. And we get to explore uncharted territory. And here is the key. We're not going to look at the scripture, but you know it. It's Ephesians 2. The key is that we coexist with Christ in his multidimensional world. And we have been, we've co-ascended with Christ and we live as multi-dimensional creations that are in heaven and earth simultaneously. So with that, I need to become more aware of what it means to be seated in heavenly places with Christ and what it means to live from that reality because it is above the reality of this here and now time and space. I'm not going to, we are going to go there next year, so I just want you to begin to dream and ask God. I want to be more aware of what it means to be co-seated with you in heavenly places where you are not bound by time and space, which means if I am in Christ, in heavenly places, neither am I. But what does it seem like one of my main hindrances is? Time. But when he says, Kelly, what if you think about this in a different way from a new perspective? He's asking me to elevate my thinking because that's where I am with him, where there is no time and space. Right? In Christ are hidden all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It says in 1 Corinthians 2, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what has not even, the heart hasn't even imagined has God planned for those of us in Christ. That he has given us Holy Spirit to search the treasure chest of heavenly wisdom in him. That he's given me Holy Spirit to access the mind of the Father, to access the mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ is an infinite array of potential and possibility. Just waiting to be observed. And you remember the observer effect? Because I can't help myself. And the observer effect in quantum physics is they discovered that an atom was more no thing than something. That it actually looked like empty space. And they couldn't see the electrons. They couldn't see the nucleus. They couldn't see the electrons because it's really more made up of just empty air and empty space until... There was an observer who looked at it. And when the observer looked at the electron, it appeared into this time-space reality dimension. 
So when we're talking about meditating, when I'm talking about beholding God, when I am looking at him, and he is an infinite array of all potential and possibility. He says, all things are possible in me, Kelly. If you will come up higher and if you will begin to see things from my dimensional reality, you will not be so tripped up with time anymore. You will not be so tripped up by your future, by your past. You're going to learn how to live in this moment where I have access by observing him, by accessing and using my faith. I have access to all of that. And that is how we change. It is how the world changes, how culture changes. But I have to start with me. So let's do that just in ending. We're going to start to do this morning. We're not going to do a big meditation practice. But when I say this is one of the things that I'll do, when, just close your eyes. Because closing your eyes helps to remove some of the senses that are distractions. And it also helps you get out of your left brain, critical, analytical thinking into your right brain which is more emotional and relational and creative. So close your eyes. And then I just want you to picture that I am seated in heavenly places in Christ, who is a treasure chest of hope with all of the riches of heaven beyond time and space. But I am intimately connected, never to be separated from the I am. And in this space, in this here, and in this now, I think and I create in him. And I just want you to pay attention to that reality. And other thoughts come and you might have a distraction and, and don't pay attention to that thought and don't judge that because that's getting back into your critical thinking, analytical mind. I want you to be in your creative space with God. And just pay attention to what does this feel like to be in this space, not bound to time, not bound to this earth reality space, because I'm seated in heavenly places and I am focusing on that reality. And in that place, as we learn how to be more still and be more present, I can begin to imagine and dream and create with God and cultivate a brand new life. So, is that a lot? And did that make sense to some new people? Like, was that what in the world is you talking about? I'm really excited about this because that was like this broad overview, and we're going to begin to nail down specifics and go after certain things. And I want you to write down, like I asked you to. What are some things that you're going after? And it would be helpful for me if you told me, you know? Like, what, if you thought about this, because maybe I haven't thought about that. So if you tell me or share with me kind of like, what is God saying to you? What is he doing? What is this like in your experience? And we are going to hear from other people throughout the year, which will be super helpful. Again, I say we are going to pay attention a lot to our body, because I think that God is really on that right now. And that mind-body connection Um and of course, still do a lot with the mind. But I, I really feel like we're going to have even more transformation this year that you're going to be able to just walk into a whole new levels of freedom. It's going to be so awesome. So we just pray. Father, I thank you, Lord. You are so amazing. Lord, I thank you that you thought us into existence, that, you, that we were on your mind, 
before the foundation of the world that you thought about us, that you continually think about us. Thank you, Lord, for who you have made each one of these women to be unique and creative and wise and beautiful. I thank you, Lord, that you have prepared plans and works for us to do also from the foundation of the world. And I thank you, Lord, that we get to partner with you and discover whole new depths and realms into your character and nature, but also into ourselves. And so, Lord, we never want to be distracted and, and, and make self an idol. And so, Father, I just thank you that you are able to so co-create with us, Holy Spirit, that you're continually accessing the heart and mind of the Father, and that you said that you have given it to us, that we might understand the things that have been freely given to us. And so that is what we're after, God. We're so after your heart. We're after the way that you think, God, that our thinking would be so in line with yours. So I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.